Inescapably foreign. Welcome to Without Borders. I'm your host, Nolan Yuma. If this is your first time tuning into the show, know that this is the show for immigrants, nomads, or refugees, or third culture kids, or anyone else that feels inescapably foreign. Today, I'm here with Aaron Deliosa. Uh, he's a host of the podcast An Immigrant's Life, which won the Canadian Ethnic Media Association Award for Journalistic Excellence for podcasting in 2022. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into his podcast and his objectives and everything like that. Uh, but to start it off, Aaron, how are you doing today, man? I am great. Thank you so much for having me, my man. Yeah, no, I'm happy to have you on the show. I think uh, from the things I've heard on your podcast, I think we have a lot of overlapping objectives and and interests. Um, so, Aaron, you're, you're an immigrant yourself. Um, how long ago did you move away from the Philippines? Actually, this year it will turn 20. So 20 it, I came here when I was 20, and now I'm living in Canada for 20 years. Uh, where, where in Canada, just so the listeners know? Montreal, man, the greatest city in the world. <laughs> Why? Why is it the greatest city in the world? Because it's the best. It's the, the... I love Montreal, man. I'm like a number one fan of Montreal. I haven't traveled as vastly as you, but I have spoken to people that I've traveled. I've, and every time I listen to other podcasts, even like, I don't know, Rogan podcasts, whatever, every time people talk about Montreal, they'll say it's the best. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't had the chance to go to Montreal yet. I should come by. I think it's the probably the cultural highlight of Canada. Uh, maybe I'm some people be pissed off for me saying that, but I I think so. No, dude. Hey, man, come at me. I'm ready, bro. <laughs> I was actually having a conversation with a friend about like the main cities in Canada, and he was born here, and he was saying, "Oh, you know, Vancouver and Toronto would be number one." I'm like, yo, 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 yo. I don't know about that, dude. I mean, I've been to Toronto. I love Toronto. I do. But Cooper, I was planning to come this year, but didn't work out. I don't know, dude. Montreal has that that spice, that flair, that European thing, you know, that those two doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I kind of agree. Even though I haven't been to Montreal, just from what I hear, and I've lived in Vancouver, mm-hmm. to me it seems like Montreal is like the the deep, sophisticated, diverse... Um, sibling and then uh vancouver's kind of the the sexy superficial sister <laughs> yeah the easygoing one i feel like easy going to west coast yeah 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 uh, i did superficial i'm kind of hating on vancouver right there but i i did love vancouver for many things i do like the west coast culture i'm a kombucha drinking craft beer drinking kind of guy um but at the same time it gets a little bit tiring, just the how expensive everything is. Just uh, and it, 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 the conversations do get superficial. Like I don't think you go a day without talking about housing prices. Oh yeah, I know Toronto's the same. Montreal not so much. I, that's one also I love of Montreal. It's a world class world class country. However, it's still it's still cheap. You know, in in a sense, affordable. I mean. Yeah, especially the amount of opportunities. That are- yeah, I mean, yes, we have the French and the English uh, political, you know, uh, conflict. But hey, you know what, dude? There's no earthquake. There's no famine. There's no, you know, you're not avoiding gunshots. I'm good, Holmes. Yeah, there's minus fifty. That's that's it, I guess. Yeah. 
Well, now it's spring, so we're getting good now. What What about making friends there? Because one thing that I've heard is that Montreal is kind of like this brain drain, right? Like everyone goes there for some of the best universities. Well, one of the best universities in Canada, if not mm -hmm. the best, right? McGill and then... One, in the world, right? One of the top in the world, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, I went to UBC, so I'm going to argue that UBC is just as good. But yeah. <laughs> UBC is good. UBC is good. Miguel, Miguel is great. And what I've heard is kind of a brain drain. Like, people go there to study. They they live their youth there. They enjoy the culture. And then they leave Montreal because, like, um, let's say Calgary pays a lot more. Mm. And then heading down south to the States, they pay a lot more. Have you noticed that a bit? Like you meet younger people and then after a few years are gone? Or, First of all, I'm an old man. I'm not young anymore. But when I was younger, uh, yeah, people actually leave Montreal and then they'll say, I miss Montreal. But yes, to answer your question, yes, it has happened. We also have problems with, um, with doctors. Doctor leaves because, again, you need to be good in French and English and some of a lot of people doesn't want to deal with that also the pay it's the number one yeah a lot of people leaves because you know the pay is just it's not fair you know a lot of work for the equal pay it doesn't make sense but do you do you think because it's a little bit less expensive than let's say toronto less expensive than vancouver that it kind of evens out lifestyle wise or not i mean yeah that that does make sense in a sense, but I guess they always look for the, like the, the, the bag over the overall picture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's what, that's what they look at. Hey, I'm not moving. I'm going to be staying in Montreal till I die. Nice, man. Oh, I love how much of a fan you are. Uh, well, uh, I was going to get into this a little bit later, but let's get into it now. How Canadian do you feel now? How Canadian I I always say I'm 50-50, like 50 Filipino, 50 Canadian. I, this is how I say it. My heart belongs in Canada. My soul belongs in the Philippines. Can you expand on that a bit? I, I feel it, but... In, in Canada, I love Canada. I love Montreal. I see, you know, people would be listening to this. I love it. Everything about it, you know, the the good and the bad, I always, I always choose Canada. But when I come home... And I have a chance to come home. The answer story speaks, and I just—it has this feeling of. I, dude, I can't explain this. Okay, uh, like a few years ago, I went home the first time since I don't know. I think it was ten to fifteen years since I came home. And you know, being quote unquote Canadian, I'm like, ah, Philippines. It's a place I do miss a bit, but not really. I'm you know here now. I went home. And I was. I was just, it was a beautiful night. Stars are out. You know what a tricycle is? Like the three-wheel bike? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, a, it's a motorcycle. Three-wheel okay. three motorcycle. So it's one in my, in my, in the Philippines, it's one of the uh, form of transportation if you're going to like close places, you know? And I was sitting in the back ride, which is the back part of the driver. And I was just like, like, I'm a, I know, I'm five 10 in a good day and I was just like uh, bent over like this and it's so uncomfortable position and I'm sitting on a metal uh, metal part of the motorcycle and I just look up 
And I was looking at the sun and the moon and the stars, and I was like, I don't know. It was just like, I said, God, I miss this place. I love this place. And I said, like, I, it, and I also say it like, it's like seeing your ex-girlfriend that you love, that you broke up with, not because you don't love each other anymore, but because circumstances happened. Yeah, yeah. And you see her, she looks at you, you look at her, and she's like, she still got it. I get that, you know? Well, on on some on one of your shows, I, I did hear you once say that you never felt like you were born in the right country. Mm -hmm. Do you still feel that way, or is that kind of changing? Like, when you went back, did you feel, oh, maybe this is one of my countries? Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think, I think it... Bro, I grew up poor, and we're talking about poor, poor, third world country poor, you know? And I always had, I don't know, I always had that feeling. The way I think compared to the people that is surrounded around me, it was so different. And every time I watch or listen or read something Western, I agree more with the Western idea. So it made me feel like I don't think I was born in the right country. You know, I, again, I love the Philippines. I'll never live back there, by the way. I'm just letting you know. So crazy. Um, but I always had that feeling that, that I don't feel like I was belong there. Again, when I go back, the ancestor speaks and I do feel at home in that sense, but I would always still choose at least Canada. You know, I feel like Canada is my home. Well, what are some of those things that you agree with when it comes to the Western perspective? Like you mentioned that growing up, you heard something about the West and you felt like you aligned with that a bit more. What What are some of those? Individualistic. Like mm -hmm. always, it, it always love yourself before you love others, right? In a Western, in an Eastern culture, it's always love your family first and then you can love yourself later. Yeah, yeah, the collectivism idea, which is great in a way, but you know, I always believe that you have to love yourself first before you love each other, uh, other people. Like I was watching this when I was really young. I saw this Filipino show about this hero of the revolution in the Philippines against the Spanish, and he was saying he was a blacksmith, and he was saying the the whole town was saying that okay, we need to fight. We need our arms to fight against the Spanish. And the blacksmith, who is one of the leaders in the town, says, no, dude, we need to eat first. We need to take care of ourselves first before we can fight. And I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. If you're hungry, you're not fighting. You're dead. Yeah. So I've, I, I always grab on that idea, which I learned later, excuse me, the later on that, that's a westernized idea of like love yourself first and then love your love other people first again second and i think what about i might butcher the pronunciation pronunciation here because mm. i don't speak tagalog mm. uh but utang nalub uh, uh i hate that, this <laughs> i hate with nalub so just so listeners know this is kind of like debt debt of obligation mm. right emotionally debt emotional debt Okay, so what? Why do you hate this? Because you're never able to pay it. Because mm. let's say you, Nolan, one day you need help. I don't know monetarily. Let's say most likely it's monetarily. 
I'll, I'll give you money, right? And then you achieve whatever you need to achieve. You can pay me that amount of money, but I will always have that utang na loob over you. Because I will always tell you, Nolan, remember that moment you were dying and I saved you? Yeah, yeah. You'll never be able to pay it because it's emotional. How can you pay something emotional? Yeah. That doesn't, it doesn't, it's not uh, physical. I always, always like every time I talk to a family member or a friend, they're like, oh, you know, I have utang na loob to these people. Like, whoa, no. You did your job. That's equal. That's it. You move on. But oh, they always use it as a, a clout over you saying like, hey, Nolan, you will always have utang na loob to me and you'll never be better than me. Yeah. Especially when, like, most Filipino culture, when someone uh, immigrates, let's say Canada, right? If I bring someone over, let's say a cousin or whoever, that person always had that utang na loob to me. I don't look at it that way, but culturally, that's how they look at it. And they will say, you can never be better than me because I brought you here. I made your life better. Yeah. I, on a personal level, I see that being difficult. And even on like a bigger scheme too, I read some opinions about how this could play a role in corruption as mm. well. Because having this the, this culture of utang, la, utang na lob, utang na lob, right? It's utang na lob, yeah. U, utang na lob kind of could be part of why there's kind of like this national corruption. Because if you have to return the favors all the time or someone's able to hold this over your head... Mm-hmm. That plays a big role in corruption. Do you, do you think that's true? or hundred um, percent, dude. Like I said, by the way, for the people that doesn't know, utang loob is loosely translated to utang means debt. Nang is like off. Loob is like, um, like in not, loob is inside. It means inside. So debt inside it means like emotionally. So that's why you'll never pay for it, right? And never be able to pay it. And yeah, hundred percent because. Again, Nolan, you're running to be a mayor. I'm the governor. Nolan, I'm going to help you out. Nolan wins, and you'll be like, Nolan, remember that time you ran for mayor? So now you have to pay me. Right? Yeah. And then I'll have to pay someone above me, and it just continues and continues. Cronyism. Yeah, that's another way good put. Wait. Yeah, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I hate it. It exists in... It's all. I wonder if it has a little bit of a Spanish influence too, because cronyism here in Spain we translate it to amiguismo, mm. and that's definitely how things work here as well. Now I don't think it's as strong as in the Philippines, but I mean to work your way up in Spain, it does rely a bit on the connections and the circles that you're in, and like returning favors. And I think that's even more prevalent in some places in Latin America, and mm. you just you kind of see this in a lot of. Well, places where corruption. Yeah, yeah, for of. sure. Like politically, yes, that's how it is. But I feel like Filipinos, we use utang lob like personally in the sense that it could be anything, dude. It could be like I don't know. You, your kids are you know dying of starvation. I'll give you money. Over. You're over, dude. You're like I had that over you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, do you think there's any good sides to it? The good side. There's always a good side and bad side on things, right? Yeah, good. That's why I want to make sure we get into the good side. Yeah. So, uh, the good side is, I I'll see that people are grateful to the person that helped them. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are always humble 
that oh Nolan helped me when I was uh, when I was you know struggling. So you always have that respect towards extra extra respect to Nolan. That's you know thinking on top on top of my head. That's what I can think of like being grateful and being you know humble towards the pe- person or people that help you when you were struggling. Mm-hmm. And then another thing I think that can tie into this too is um, Pakikisama. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess would would you translate it as not rocking the boat? Pakikisama. A little bit, yeah, I'll see that. Because you have to, it's, I look at it as a um, tribe mentality. Okay, you yeah. cannot, there's a circle, you cannot get out of the circle because you're going to stand out, right? And this is normal to mostly conservative, culturally, nation and cultures. And that You cannot be better than us because we're in a circle. And yeah, Pakitam, again, positive. Great, you you know, as the um, the um, African saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go long f- further, go together. Right, which is great, but sometimes you want to do your own thing. Yeah, you know? but no, again, utang pakikasama. You have to, oh, the group help me out. I need to be with them, and one thing. I'll bring it to um, to a personal level. I played basketball because, you know, Filipinos play basketball. Huh? And we will join the group. We will join a team and we're pretty good. So we will make, we'll be 15 players, but always we only end up playing eight people. The rest are not playing. But when it's playoffs time or finals time because it's time to shine, people that doesn't play will suddenly start playing. And I always tell my teammate, like, you, they cannot do this. It's not fair for them to just jump into our hard work. And it yeah. will mess up the chemistry. And then they'll say, well, you know, Pakikisama, you have to be like, well, they came like, I don't care, dude. I'll give them their money. Yeah. They didn't even work for this. But they want to get that flame, that clout. Oh, I hate it. I quit the team after a few times. Like, I cannot set up myself for a heartbreak every time. Because this is I cannot control. I can control the idea of me playing well and you guys are playing well, but the idea of them just joining in and ruin the chemistry, no way, homie. I was like, okay, one more year, and then that's it. And then it happened again, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. So what is the difference then between the, the Pakikisama and then Hia, like the, the idea of shame and losing face? Are they related at all, or is it different? I would say they're touching a little bit you know, there's a, um, what's the word for, uh, for it? Like, there's a dichotomy between the two, right? It, they're all either interconnected. Here is like, oh, um, let's say I owe you money, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm always ashamed towards you because, because I owe you money. But, and then if you, Nolan, wants to do something that I'm against with, Whatever it is, you know, like going out to party or something big. Because I have the hiya and then the pakikisama, I have to go with you because I need to, you know, makikisama, that's the word, makikisama with you. And it just, you, it, 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 it'll make you do things that you don't want to do. Because I feel I'm trying to save face with you or the culture or, or the community. 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I guess this also ties into that Filipinos aren't confrontational. Mm. I, don't, I don't know how accurate it is, but if you look at some of the, the business research when it comes to cultural psychology, and a lot of this business research, it's kind of flawed because they, they do it in a business setting, mm. which means that they're looking at a certain socioeconomic background. They're mm-hmm. looking at, you know, a certain culture within those cultures. Um, but it does seem like Philip, like the Philippines is very far on the side of avoids confrontation. hundred percent. That's the Asian thing, right? Like, um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, the, his book, uh, 10,000, what's the book? I'm terrible with, I'm, I'm good with reading books. I've always forget the name. Uh, the one, the 10,000 hours one. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, that escapes me right now too. Uh, outlier, outlier. So there's a part of the book. They're showing uh, Koreans pilots, and the Korean airlines crashes all the time, and they couldn't figure it out. It's like people are dying, so they hired people over uh, a Westernized Western, uh, uh, like I don't know, a director or something, and he studied it, and he figured out that the co-pilot respect the pilot so much that even though the pilot's gonna do something dangerous. He respects him so much that he won't even say anything. That also comes into the hierarchy culture. Exactly. So yeah. it's pretty much the same idea that, anyway, so to finish the, the Korean story, the Korean airline story, they forced the, the pilots, the co-pilots say, hey, if it's going to make a decision that it's going to kill you all, you got to make a, you got to speak up. So it's, it's pretty much the same, the hierarchy. We're very hierarchical ideas. We're very like, if someone gets a little bit of power, bro, bro, that person will take it like to a la max. And do you feel like you used to agree with it at all? Or were you just kind of born not agreeing with that? I think I was born not agreeing with that. Like I always get, I always get in trouble. I always get in trouble. My grandma was always, I love her, rest in peace. She always like gets mad at me with that. But I'm, I, I was grateful too with my family because they allowed it. They allowed me to be me. They're like, yeah, that's just him. He says crazy shit. Now, what, what was it like for you coming to Canada at first? Did you feel like people there were confrontational? Because I think we might have different experiences here. Because like my parents, um, well, my mom is Argentinian and Belgium. My dad's uh, from Belgium. Mm. And Belgium's aren't quite as confrontational as the Dutch, but I think my parents are quite, <laughs> they probably won't like hearing this, but they're more Dutch when it comes to confrontation. Like they're really straight up mm. with negative feedback and everything. Mm-hmm. And then when they moved to Canada, because um, Canadians are quite friendly and everything too, even though they're like, if you look at the entire world, they're I think a little bit more on the confrontational side, but they're less confrontational than Dutch for sure. And so my parents when they heard like um, how, how they would speak to people, they always thought, oh, okay, here we have a friendship. This person really likes me. And then afterwards they would hear like, oh, behind their backs, those people had a completely different opinion about my parents than what they said in front of their faces. And it was really difficult for my parents to adapt to that in Canada because mm-hmm. they found the Canadians like opposite of confrontational, that they would like avoid telling the truth in mm-hmm. front of their faces. Was it the opposite for you at all, or? The, you mean like confrontational-wise? Yeah, like did you feel Canadians were confrontational then compared 
to your background, or do you feel like Canadians are also also avoid confrontation? I think they avoid confrontation. I think it's passive aggressiveness. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that came from British, you know? You know the Brits, right? They'll say, like, they, they have this way of saying things that is not really confrontational, but if you dissect it, you'll see, oh, he's they're saying something. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I wish I could quote it exactly because you brought up the airlines, but there's another example with that with the British airlines and the captain says something like, I don't know exactly what it was, but something like, um, everyone, you have much reason to remain calm. We are about to land. Uh, we are about to go down. None of the engines are working. So please remain in your seats. And it was just like, <laughs> instead of, you know, it was kind of like wrapping around the. Yeah, that's what they, that's what they do. They like, it, it's a great way. But yeah, going back to your question. No, I didn't feel confrontational. Obviously, there's uh, some cultural differences. Meaning that in the Philippines, if you're a worker, you have to call your boss, sir or ma'am. It's just a thing. Is You have to show respect. Again, hierarchical, right? And with that, they always say, most of the people, oh, I'm not your boss. Because we always say boss too, like boss. We even, like, we even call random people, random men, usually men, in the street, like, oh, boss. Uh, where is the library or whatever, you know? So, no, I didn't find that. There's some little things. No, I always, I found them more, um, more accepting. You know, mm -hmm. that's one thing I like, more welcoming. Confrontational, not so much. Again, it's the British way, some of them. In general, by the way, obviously. But no, I didn't find them more confrontational. But we Filipinos are the best with not confronting people man we're the best of the ship we're like the michael jordan of that you know we'll just talk shit behind you <laughs> i was wondering do you think this ties in in any ways with political correctness like nowadays in canada too right i think mm. the kind of like political correct language kind of gets pushed a little bit more especially in, in certain circles like in the universities and stuff do you think Filipinos might adapt quicker to using this politically correct language because they don't want to offend people? Or is there kind of a difference here between being politically correct and not wanting to offend people? No, I don't think. I think they're both different because, trust me, you come to my family and you start gaining weight, they will call you and on that. It's like, Nolan, you know, you're tomatabaka na. It means like you're getting fat. Yeah. There's no political correctness in our culture. You know, we would not confront you in, let's say, uh, let's say Nolan is being too confident. Like, they'll say, oh, you're too being confident, you're arrogant. They'll never say that. But if you start gaining weight, hmm, they will let you know. Yeah. You know, little things like that. Even my wife is Canadian. So when we started dating, I told her, I was like, the first time I, she's going to meet the family, like, listen, by the way, they were going to feed you so much that your belly is going to explode. And then eventually they'll call you fat. That's how they are. <laughs> and then after calling you fat, they will say, did you eat? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a crazy mentality, you know? To be honest, I love it. I, I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, but but I, like I said, like I told her, I said, it's, they're, not, they're not trying to be mean. They're just saying, 
you are gaining weight. You know, it, 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 it's a fact. Also, we also <clears throat> equate that to I'm taking care of her. I'm feeding her. Because, you know, back in the days, some culture, they, if you are chubby or fat, they'll know that you have money because you can feed, you know. But, yeah, confrontational, no, not, not really. I don't, I, don't, I don't think they're together. Or, I mean, like political correctness, I mean. I, no, we don't have problem with that. Trust me, we're going to tell you what's up. Oh, good to know, because I, th- I think that's something people have to be aware of, is sometimes uh, trying not to offend people doesn't really correlate with how straight up you are with language. Because right? I think a lot of the time, especially in North America and in the West, we spend so much time nowadays talking about like which words you're not allowed to use and how you're supposed to say things. Mm-hmm. Right? But that doesn't really mean that you're mm, not confrontational. No. It, there, there is a separation there. Yeah, they, we, we we will use words that are like, you know, like you can take it out if you want to. But in the Filipino, which is in Spanish, negro means black. That's why we use the word. There's no like we're, there's another word, but we use that for itim is it black, the, but that's for the color of let's say a microphone or a wall or whatever. But if we're talking about a black person, we'll say negro. That doesn't mean it's a problem the Spanish. Exactly, but that doesn't mean the N word in 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 American. That's mm-hmm. just how it is. We're not trying. Of course, we're very respectful people, but we don't do the political correctness thing. Yeah, and well, how do you feel about that personally? Do you feel a little bit more Canadian? Like, do you feel like we should be limiting our language, or do you do you kind of more align with the Filipino way here? Like, oh, let's just use the word. Um, and not beat around the bush. Yeah, that's that's me. I, I will use the word that that exactly that exactly uh, explains what I'm trying to talk about or is, say to you. I don't do the I don't I don't do the mixed like. Oh well, you know, uh, I I don't I can't think of anything. Okay, great, great example. Retarded, right? Mm-hmm. I will never ever ever call a person that has mentally challenged the, that word. I won't, right? But I'll use that word anyway, in the yeah. sense that, like, that's a retarded move. But I'll never call, use that word for a mentally challenged person. Yeah, you know, I have family members that are that are mentally challenged. But I'll never call them that word. But I'll still use that word. Why? Why are you stopping me to use that word? <laughs> you know, I I don't believe in muting words. Exactly, man. I, I agree with you. Like, I think a lot of these people kind of advocating for this language control, th- they frame it as a way that they're trying to protect marginalized groups and limit racism. Mm. But really, most of the people I hear that are really advocates of this are people from upper middle class back- backgrounds that went to elite universities. Mm-hmm. And then they they get these jobs in these think tanks. They get these and because they have these elite um, this elite status, they get on the news, they get on the the media, and then they're able to kind of like push this message like this is how we're going to help the people. Mm-hmm. But to me, it seems like they're completely out of touch with immigrants and refugees and marginalized groups mm-hmm. because they've just been in these elite little circles the whole time. And they're just sharing each other's peer-reviewed articles. And if they, like from, from my experience with this podcast and also like listening to your podcast as well, a lot of 
the time, these marginalized groups and everything, they don't give a shit about the language. They give a shit about the stuff that's actually going on. Like on one of uh, on one of your podcasts, the the person asks something like, "Oh, what is the word I'm supposed to use for this country?" And you're like, "The word's developing nation." But bro, let's just be real. It's a poor country. <laughs> That's the Filipino in me. You know, I don't like, oh, uh, it's supposed to be a developing. Bro, it's a terrible country. We're poor. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. You know, but going back to your point about these people that gets into this think tank. I just had, uh, I had a friend that calls homeless people and house people. And I'm like. Bro, what the, like, who said this shit? By the way, I'm sorry, I'm swearing. Oh, dude, you could swear here, that's all. <laughs> okay. Like, and house, I'm like, who said this shit? This, did the homeless people say that they're announced people? I don't think so, because they're busy looking for food. Yeah, you know? Like, well, you know, we don't want to argue. I'm like, listen, dude, you say whatever you want to say, I'm going to say homeless, because they are homeless, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't. I don't adhere to those like, oh, don't call them that because, no, I'm not doing that. Unless I see personally that, yeah, I think that's hurtful and then I'll move and then I'll change my, my, uh, my word. But homeless and house, it's the same thing. You're just making it fancy unhouse. What do you mean unhouse? What? Like, what is it? A turtle? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, okay, so yeah, now now we're kind of getting into some of the the sides or sides where you feel a little bit more Filipino. We've kind of covered how you feel a little bit more Canadian. Mm -hmm. Anything else that was a challenge for you when you had to acculturate to Canada? Uh, none really, because I was very again like living in the Philippines. I was like my mentality was Westernized already. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're you know finding new friends. Oh, dude, that's uh. Because I'm very introvert, I'm a very private person, and even in the Philippines, I'm very like I don't look for friends. Friends just somehow meets me, and then we become friends. In the Philippines, when I before I move, I will never leave my house without one or two person with me. There's always pakekisama, you know. There's always someone with me. I got here, there was no one, dude. <laughs> I was, you know, homesick, you know, I, I miss my friends, I miss people. But that's the only part, and it was hard for me being an introvert, like, going out and say, hey, can let's hang out. And the first person that I asked to hang out with, he said, no, I'm busy. And then I found out he, he wasn't busy. Because, like, ah, oh, you, nah. But eventually, I found my people, I found friends, and that's it. And I, again, growing up in the Philippines, I have, I have this idea of barcada. Barcada, mean, barcada means a group of friends. That's what it means. It's a street name, a street word. I don't understand. I don't really know the etymology of the word, but that's, that's the word, barcada. I always had the idea, I have to have barcada to be happy. And then I realized, actually, no. I need one or two, maybe five people that are even separate for and that's good for me so i had to shift my idea with that that i'm okay without a group of friends you know 
But yeah, other than that, to answer your question, no, I'm, I'm, I was pretty all right. And did you experience any racism or did your family? Mm. Not me. Okay. I don't know if this is racism, but one time I was getting gas. And it's one of those gas stations that there's only one pump. So I park and then I see the other car parked on the other side. And I grabbed the, 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 what do you call this? The pump, I guess, to put the gas. And I, I guess I was like a few seconds ahead from the guy, which is the man was a, he was a Caucasian, um, uh, Quebecois, which is a, a person to speak French in Quebec. I grabbed it and he started getting mad and like, oh, I was here before you, this and that. I'm like, oh, so me, I'm very respectful. I said, I'm sorry, sir. I was here before you. If you were here before me, you would have gotten it, right? And I would have given it to you. And he was getting mad. And then he said something like, like, oh, you people come here. Mm -hmm. And so me, I don't know what he means by that. Does he mean me as an immigrant or me as a brown person? I don't know. That's one. Either way, it's prejudice. Like, uh, yeah, you know, but I'm easygoing with prejudice. It actually, racism actually makes me laugh because it's so dumb. It's dumb. Like, why? What? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm lying. There was one time I got, there was one time that I felt I was judged for what I, how I look. But it wasn't from a white person. It was from a black person. So a friend of mine who's a uh, black woman, she were very close and we went to see her family. And she's very close to me. I was closer, but she's more like, she's very touchy-feely with me. Like she always hugs me and kisses me on the cheeks or whatever. So she introduced me to her family and she said, oh, this is my boyfriend. As a joke. And one of her aunt got mad like, oh, not with a Chinaman. Oh no. And I was I was really deeply offended in a sense like You're you're black, I'm brown. Like we should be to like we should be friends. Yeah. You know, like you should not be racist towards me. And I mean I'm not saying like racism is good, but you know what I mean? Like we have the same struggles. We're both marginalized people. Why are you doing this to me? I just, you know, again, uh, water off of my back, but it's one of the things that, like, what the, what just happened? But other than that, not really. My family, my mom, no, my dad, no, no, not really. One time I remember my mom, there was this group of kids that threw an egg at my mom because it was uh, Halloween. I think it's a... Kind that's of... Halloween though, right? I, yeah, yeah, but uh, that's not really. Nothing. And But what about more like the systemic racism, right? So not people being assholes explicitly and saying horrible terms or doing shitty things, but more that systemic racism where you've noticed it was harder for your mom to get a job or it was harder for you to get a job in a certain way. Did, did, do you think that happens in Canada or do you think in Canada it's pretty good in that sense? Because I don't it, know because I'm a white guy. It's pretty good, but I know and I don't focus on that I always say to myself like if there's a job or what needs to get done I will get it done what the other people thinks towards me is none of my business I will just do my job if they get it if I can get the job I get the job if I don't get the job hey let's move on huh? mm-hmm. however I know this for a fact because a friend of mine used to work with this gentleman who is I'd say 
white looking. And apparently my friend told me that every time a person passes a CV to this guy, once he sees it's not, you know, French sounding or a Western look sounding, in the garbage straight goes through. I'm like, no, no. not not French sounding. French sounding. It's like, not would you also chuck away the English names? Like, what if no, no, Smith he English. If it's not Westernized, you know, like I know Smith or whatever, you know, like because I know in Quebec there are some like people that hate the the English, like the other mm. people who speak English, right? So they'll just... <laughs> no, no, he's good as long as it's Westernized. They like like Deliosa, gone. That's not gonna happen, you know. And so it does happen. I'm sure it happened, but again. I had a I had a friend that he has so much problems with oh I'm not getting my job that I want because I'm excuse me for the term but this is what he used it, goop I'm a goop he says and like doesn't matter dude like do your job you know and he says because I'm not white I'm not tall enough you know I'm Asian that's why no one likes me and I said dude I'm in a province that speaks two languages. That the other language, that is main language, I barely speaks, and I'm doing okay. What's the problem? You know, I don't, I don't adhere to that. Now my, again, shout out to my grandma, rest in peace. She always says, "Just do your job, bro." Yeah, yeah. you know, it's a just do your job, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Well, when we're talking about do just do your job. When I heard a little bit about your story and just a lot of Filipinos, Filipinos work hard as fuck, <laughs> right? Um, so let's get a little bit of, into that about your mom's story because that was one of the main inspirations for your podcast, right? Your mother? Yep. Um, so you only saw her once every two years? Correct. For a month. And and so for how long was that that you would only see her once every two years? From eight years old to I would say since I moved here in Canada, so I was twenty. So from eight to twenty, no mom. We 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 see her once a month. I don't. I think I saw her one Christmas time during those time, maybe once. I think. Graduation, birthday, Christmas, New Year. It doesn't matter. Mommy got to work. And what was she doing at the time? She, you know, typical Filipino. She's a domestic helper, as they say. Really, cleaning lady. You know. But where was she working? She was working in Hong Kong because it was the, it was like, I think she had a, we had a family member that worked in Hong Kong. And my mom, man, that, that woman's the goat, bro. Like, I will put that woman against all the moms. And she's probably... Mount Rushmore, you know, because the things that she did, it was insane. It, like from poor to what we are now, it's all her. We literally didn't do anything. She did everything. And she was, you know, she was, she was telling me that she was doing three jobs every day. She barely take a day off because, you know, we, we, she wanted us for us to have a better life. And she didn't stop, dude. She did not stop. And I never hated that. I never hated her for it. That even the worst time, even the tough times, never. Because I knew there's a there's a goal, and to get that goal, we need to do, make a sacrifice. And again, shout out to my grandma. Thankfully for her and my aunt, they kept us. They took care of us to the best of their ability. 
even though we got whoop. <laughs> um, yeah, it helped so much that we achieved our goal. And in my head, there was no doubt we were reaching that goal. No doubt. It was 100% it's going to happen. I don't know how, but I knew it's going to happen. Yeah. And one thing I, that ties into with your mother, um, I heard you say that you've you consider the Philippines a matriarchal society. Mm. Yes, it is. Because it's the women that go off and work a lot of the time. That's right. And the household is run by women. The woman makes the decision. So what do the men do? We bring the money. That's what we do. We bring the money, and then they make sure everything's good in the hood. It's like... Uh, a great example, we have this term called commander. It means commander. So that's how we call our women. The commander? Yeah, because <laughs> they're the boss, you know? So we just made it Filipino, commander. Or there's another term it's called Andres Desaya. It means literally a person named Andres under the, under the wife's dress because she's afraid of the woman. You'll never hear a term about like a man <laughs> That afraid that a woman afraid of the man. No, you will not hear that. But we always have terms about men scared of women. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, we we're like <laughs> that's one thing I love about our our uh, our culture is like we look at each other as equals in a sense of that. That there's this thing that going back about uh, political correctness. Uh, people are saying you know oh there is this uh, what do you call it the the like a job is specific for men and women only oh yeah i forgot the yeah. term I mean, so what that's the that person is the best for doing that we're not saying though that the woman cannot do it of course they can do some jobs that men can do but they're better with that than imagine a man taking care of the house cleaning and everything it, you know what i mean like we can do it but the women they got that touch that beautifying oh, touch. In my household, the gender roles are swapped. I'm the one that cleans the most. I'm the one that cooks. And then my partner, she's the one that fixes everything. If it's broken, <laughs> does everything with mechanics. <laughs> well, there you go. See, there's still a there's still a dis distinction that, oh, this woman, she's good at this. That's what she does. Yeah. But you, or you're good at these things. You good, you do that. But as a general, general speaking, uh, my culture is usually the man will take care of, like, quote-unquote manly things and the women will take care of the woman things also it's not that it didn't work out well but still i would like to say that the philippines is the first republic that ever voted a woman president i didn't know that yeah so it was corazon aquino it wasn't a great thing to happen but it's a something that is good do you know what i mean what happened corruption <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was chaos. She was not a good pol up. She was not actually a politician. They just uh, the dictator uh, Marcos, the original. Uh, he he had a he had a fight with the the husband of Corazon Aquino, who is Nino Aquino, and they he got assassinated. The people that was running the show said, "Oh, why don't we make her run?" for the office of the president and will say we use the emotional 
you know, the emotional uh, dr drive to get her into office. And she did win. She, there is no doubt she's not going to win. Because who are you going to choose? The dictator over her? Who are you going to choose the woman? She's not the best, but, you know, lesser evil, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, and we have voted another woman in office. But, again, it's, you know, again, corruption still going. But, yeah, going back to our topic that uh, we're Western, uh, we are matriarchal. Yeah, 100% matriarchal. Again, commander. And, but w even on the hierarchy, like let's with the, say, so it sounds within the hierarchy within families, the mm. woman is the boss. Are there any situations where the man has to have more respect or is it always the woman that is, is on the top of the ladder? I think this is the colonial idea of when the Spanish came. This is when it changes that, okay, the guys has to be in the position of power and like offices, like political offices and whatnot. But because if you really dissect, if you go to the the indigenous, which where I lived, there were indigenous people. They're pretty much, you know, like uh, leveled. Like there's no chief. Like I, we have our main chief in the original pre-colonial. We have the lady. Uh, our priestess is called Babaylan. It's a woman. She's the one who cures everything, takes care of everything. Um, so the chief, there's not much really chief, but yeah. It, so the chief was always a woman? She's not really a woman. She's not really the chief, but okay. the, the chief is a man, but the Babaylan is stronger. Like she's not the leader, but everybody listens to her. Did it also depend? Because like, I know there were many Indo-Malay tribal sediments, settlements across the Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. Then the Chinese mercantile empires came, then the Spanish colonialization. Um, but were there a lot of differences depending on the Indo-Malay tribal uh, settlements? Like, did were there some more that were more matriarchal, some that weren't? Not or... th that I know of. No, it's always balance. It's always there's the Babaylan and then there's the chief. The dat the datu. The the men will always get the main office, kind as you say, but there's always that position, the Babaylan, which pulls more power actually, because it's closer to the community, you know. Um again when the Spanish came, then like, hey, men, number one. I was actually having a conversation with a cousin about this. Uh, the prayer, uh, ho uh, uh, what are they called? Hail Mary, right? In Filipino, we say it, Aba Ginoong Maria. Means, Aba means to show respect. Ginoong means um, uh, Mr. And then Maria, which is Mother Mary in Catholic. Why Why, we, why is it Ginoong instead of Ginang? Ginang is the female, right? Yeah. Because of the Spanish. They always make sure that the male is the is the main, the top, the alpha, yeah. you know? But, so now I start to change it. I say, Abagina Ang Maria. Ah, nice. Yeah, nice. I try to correct those little things and uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Well, breaking those things ties into something uh, that I was looking up before this and it's Filipino psychology. And I didn't know it was a thing until I started preparing for, for our conversation. Have you mm. heard about Filipino psychology? Not really. Not, not, okay, yeah. So it, 
apparently it was form. I'll, I'll read a little bit what I have here. It was formalized in 1975, and it was against the psychology that promotes the colonial mentality. Um, and then it, it involves like searching for local equivalents for commonly used psychological uh, concepts, and then the indigenization from within this process in which the knowledge and methods related to psychology are derived from the local culture. Now, I don't want to get into a whole lesson here, but mm. what it pretty much all came down to was that the the um, the Filipino culture before col colonialization was so much more about groupthink mm. and, um, as you mentioned, also more about the matriarchal cultures and just thinking of each other as equals, um, which we kind of talked about at the beginning of the podcast as well. So do, do you think that this is is coming back now or what do you mean like which one coming back like like this this idea of um well decolonization right so kind of getting rid of all these values that the spanish i'm trying to do that now myself personally you know yeah. i'm trying to of course i'm always trying to understand that colonization brought positive thing as well you know i but yes, I see that more and more. Um, the Baibayin, which is the old script, the way we write, was eradicated by the Spanish to replace by the Roman letters. I'm trying to learn that. I'm trying to work on that. Um, I'm trying to learn and to speak and write in Filipino more or Tagalog. Because I'm a Tagalog. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it I, I see it more and more. I, I but however I see it more of the diaspora happening more than the main the country. I feel like the country is still moving is still uh, colonized hard now, especially the uh, Korean uh, the pop Korean people like this. They I think we need more education. There there have been a group of people that trying to bring back teaching of by buy-in and it's really hard because you know it's an old way people was like why we have this already but it's our culture it's this is our people this is our thing this is what makes us us so it's a hard battle but yes i've seen a lot of people and one of the people that propagates this is christian kabuai he's the one who makes it quote-unquote cool again to write by buy-in learn by buy-in it's a great beautiful letters beautiful characters and uh, just even also mentality again like me i personally i tell people stop with the utang na loob stop with um um well all the, the colorism uh stop with the, the nose thing uh what's the nose thing for the people that doesn't know your nose bro them girls will love them nose because it's sharp, <laughs> right? Like, we say matangos, it's sharp. My nose is flat and wide, you know? This is not good, this nose. No bueno. <laughs> the girls will choose you over because you're white, obviously. You're, they'll call you canok, means American. Even though you're not American, they'll just call you that. Uh, like, little things like that. The people will, or people, even my family would say, like, oh, uh, Nolan is good looking because he's white. I'm like, no, he's not. He's, he's good looking because he's good looking. Not because he's white. Yes, it helps that he's white, but 
doesn't mean he's white automatically means good looking. Yeah. You know, little, little things like I personally am trying to, you know, educate myself, educate my people. Um, what about for tourists or digital nomads that go to the Philippines? Is there anything that they can do to kind of support this decolonization? Or is this kind of just out, like the, the tourists should kind of just stay out of it? Or is there anything they can do in the way that they travel to make sure that they're not supporting like this old colonization? Yeah, stop doing those stupid TikTok things that are making fun of my culture. I hate that shit, dude. Like, oh, in the Philippines, this is how they call people. Psst, psst. Like, yo, you're not helping our culture. You're getting the likes. I want you to show the culture. I want you to show how we write, the clothing that we use, the, how lovely we are, how how giving we are. We could be, bro, if you go to a Filipino house, they'll be the poorest of the poor. They will make sure you eat well. You know, they will borrow money. They will get utang na loob from other people just to feed you. Okay? That's what I want to see. That's I want to see. that I don't want to see those like, in the Philippines, this is how they call people. Or in the Philippines, this is how they eat. In the sense that, that, um, uh, making fun of it. it, it um, what's the word? Um, I forgot the word. Um, fetishes. Yeah, fetishes? Fetishize, yeah, fetishize is it. I, enough with that. Even, yeah. even pro other Filipinos that does it. I hate that. Like, we are more than that. We are more than that. We have a culture that we need to propagate. We need to show the people, this is us. Enough with this, like, you know, oh, in the Philippines, they'll beat you up. Every culture gets beat up. Every kid gets beat up. We're not that. We're more than that. You know, yeah. uh, for the, again, going back to your question. Yeah. Like I said, if you are a digital nomad and you're a different culture, show the beauty of the Philippines, show the culture, show the day to day, how we live, how we, you know, how we deal with people, how we, how we embrace other culture. That's one thing we, I also proud of the Philippines is we embrace culture like that. We, we, if whatever you're negative, whatever you're, how you are, we will accept it. We will never force you to accept our culture. We will not do that. However, we would love to res for you to respect it. You know? Good. Hot. Now to tie this into your podcast a little bit and just podcasting in general, and this kind of goes into being a digital nomad, because of course you could be a digital nomad with a podcast if, if you're making a living with mm -hmm. it. And Something that I struggle with with my podcast, and I don't know if you struggle with it at all, is but you just brought up this idea of TikTok and Instagram and these little slices of information to attract people or to entertain people. When it comes to culture, it's the worst. And like I do it. I I try and make these little clips and I, I make little posts because I want to attract people to the longer forms mm. that I have here, you know, the longer podcasts, my long sure. articles. And then I make these little snippets in the hope that it will attract people. But I know that like 99% of the time, it's not attracting people to the longer form stuff. And mm. all I'm doing is I'm just adding to this mentality of just like quick snippets of information. Mm. And it's especially dangerous when it comes to culture. Because culture can never be understood with just like one snippet of information because yes, it might be true in that one context, but you have to read and you have to talk to people about 
everything that's around it. Um, how do you deal with it with, with your podcast and trying to promote yours? I just approach it as art. I will create something. I enjoy what I do. I, I, I'm sure you check my, my Instagram. I make these audio reels. And I approach them as art. I create art. Now, if it brings people to my podcast, amazing. If it doesn't, what are you going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. I, and you saying that it's, um, it's helping the idea of uh, quick click, quick, uh, quick click or quick click, clickbait and clickbait. To... Hey, that's the name of the game. Yeah. It's either you get on the game or you get off the game. You can't change the rules. That's the rule. Yeah. You know, you just have to let it go and be, be at peace with it. That that's the rule of the game. You cannot play basketball and then expect it'll be soccer. It, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know? So again, I always, when I start the podcast, up to now, up to however, how long it lasts, I approach it as art. When I make something, when I make a post, I spend time on that thing, dude. I always think of the every curvature, every font, every placement of the font, every color scheme. I think of that. Audio reels. I don't care if, hey, listen, if it goes viral and brings me money, don't get me wrong. That will be amazing. <laughs> but, you know, Picasso didn't draw expecting he'll get money. He drew because that's what his soul says. Look, you follow it. He followed it. That's what I do. I make art. I like to call it art. I make the art. And if people like it, awesome. If people doesn't like it, no, it's okay. I'm never going to do the, hey, in Philippines, this is what we do to get mm-hmm. clicks. Get out of here, dude. I like this shit. I like talking. I like getting to know people. I like, again, like, like you said, expanding ideas. What does, I don't know, uh, like, utang na means? Let's expand that. Because you can cut that through a snippet of an audio, but well, you're missing the rest of it. Now, again, it's on the people. If they're going to click, if they're going to listen, awesome. If not, hey, c'est la vie. Yeah. Aaron, I love that, man. And I hope a lot of the listeners, I hope that motivates people to listen to your show as well. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're, almost, we're at an hour here already. So, Aaron, anything else you want to bring up about your show before we end this about the immigrant's life? Of course, man. If you guys want to listen to me rambling and talking to cool people and hoping they'll send me food, my podcast is An Immigrant's Life Podcast, a storytelling, storytelling podcast about relation, people's relationship with immigrants. And it's like uh, Nolan's uh, podcast, but pretty much the same. Uh yeah, I'm pretty proud of my podcast. I, like you mentioned on the top, which I really do appreciate that I won, well, the podcast won the award for a Canadian Ethnic, which I didn't expect. Shout out to Franklin Rodriguez, my brother, for nominating me. Dude, when they got me, when they called me that I was like nominated, like I'm close to the, the top nominate, I'm like, in my head, like, why? You know? And then they finally called me saying I won. I'm like, in my head says, why? I why why not because I don't deserve it? But like going back earlier, you said that that uh, political correctness. A lot of people on TikTok, social media, they propagate this idea of, um, hey, uh, unhoused people are not hounds. You should change. You know, like political correctness. I hate mm-hmm. that shit. 
it's so fake for me. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like in my on my podcast, if you listen to it, I do not do that. I'm like, hello country, poor country. You know, I get to the, get to the point. Um, I, I'm rambling here, but yeah, I I don't think I I just listen to my podcast. If you want to listen, and Matt. thank you so much, Nolan, for having me. It's and such a pleasure. Yeah, man, Aaron, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Um, again, I encourage everyone to listen to The Immigrant's Life. If you like Without Borders, I think you'll love The Immigrant's Life. As you can see, Aaron and I share a lot of the same values. Of course, have very different backgrounds, so you'll get a lot of different perspectives still. And uh, remember, if you want to support this show, go to www.withoutborders.fyi. I also share a bunch of articles about cultural psychology there, cultural competence, and then I tell a lot of stories there as well in the written form. So please tune in next time. There's a new episode every Tuesday.